most of the basic care functions, I truly believe can be fully automated with elegant technology. I think most customers prefer it. They prefer to just be able to get their answer in an automated way. And the technology is getting good enough to be able to do that, which really leaves your human beings who interface the ability to handle the very complex things and, frankly, the things that make you money as a company. And right. so I think that is where you will see the industry evolve. Welcome to the Conversations That Matter podcast from Uniform, the podcast that dives into real conversations that are happening in contact centers around the world. Here you'll experience exciting interviews with well-known thought leaders, hear compelling stories from industry experts, gain fresh insights on contact center best practices and more. So grab a beverage and tune in as we get real with Conversations That Matter. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Conversations That Matter. I'm your host, Randy Ksar from Unifor. Today's podcast is a conversation that was recorded during Conversation Automation 2021. We held numerous sessions in this virtual event. On contact center trends, we announced new Unifor products, U-Assist and U-Trust. We talked about the future of AI and a whole bunch more. I want to pull one session out in particular that I thought was very insightful for contact center professionals. Jeff Frick interviewed John Chambers and Andrea Ayers. John Chambers, as you might know, is a former chairman and CEO of Cisco, and now has his own venture firm. He is also a board member and investor in Unifor. Andrea Ayers is the former CEO of Convergys and has tremendous experience in the contact center and customer experience industry. She is also a board member of Unifor. Both of them brought tremendous insight that I know you'll find valuable for your business and contact center. By the way, one of my favorite quotes in today's episode is when Andrea Ayers talks about the contact center being a revenue generator. So true. And we have to think of the contact center in that way. I think you would agree. Now, without further ado, let's go to the recording of that session. Next up, you'll hear from Jeff Frick, the moderator of the conversation. Enjoy. Today, we're going to kick it off with an opening executive session titled The Global Outlook for AI, Automation, and the Enterprise. And we're really excited to be joining this session by two innovative leaders who've been leading through change uh, within their industries for decades. First, we're really excited to have Andrea Ayers on. Andrea is the former president and CEO of Convergys Corporation, one of the leading contact center application companies in the world. Convergys was purchased by Concentrix in 2018, creating the second largest BPO in the world. Andrea is also a board member at uh, Uniform. Andrea, great to see you today. Nice to see you too, Jeff. Thank you. And also we've got uh, John Chambers. I'd like to welcome John back on. He's an investor, author. You know him as a former chairman and CEO of Cisco Systems. John has a long history of spotting big transformational waves and shepherding Cisco through a number of industry disruptions over the years. He's currently the founder and CEO of JT2 Ventures, investing in companies leading market transformations. And as he said, he wants to change the world again. JC2 Ventures is an investor in Unifor, and John's on the board of directors as well. Great to see you, John. Jeff, it's a pleasure to be there. And with my colleague, Andrea, it's going to be a lot of fun addressing the audience today. Great. Let's just go to the obvious question at the beginning. What opportunities, I just introduced you both as board members in Unifor. What did you see in Unifor as as an opportunity that you wanted to get involved with? I'll start with you, Andrea. Yeah, it was an easy choice for me. Having been in the contact center BPO space for 30 years, one of the things that we really needed support and help with was AI and automation. When I got a look at what Unifor was able to do in that space, I was really impressed. The technology is elegant, reliable, and it makes the job more efficient and, and the customer experience better. So 
I was on board from day one once I got a look at the products. And John, what about you? You've got the pick of the litter with JC2 Ventures. I'm sure there's a lot of people banging on your door that want to get involved. Why did you pick Unifor of all the opportunities that you had at your disposal? Well, it, it was a little bit different. Amesh did not have me at hello like he did, Andrea. But I think that's because she understood the field so much better than I did. It was very simply, I got to see the top eight winners in India of startups that MIT brought together and Amesh did the best job of the eight. And then I did the pretty classic decision in terms of I wanted a business model that was going to change, enabled by new technology, artificial intelligence and conversational AI. I then bet on the CEO and with the mesh, he's exceeded my expectations almost all the time. And then I bet how close is the company to a breakout to be the one or two player within the category. I clearly think that has happened this last year. And then I go to customers and and they tell me how valuable or not is the technology and how do they view the company. So it it took us a series of dates before I got there, but equally (laughs) like Andrea could not be more pleased with the company. That's great. So thanks for that. So it's 2021. We finally turned the calendar on a very challenging year last year in, in 2020. And it was challenging for a lot of reasons. Obviously, the pandemic, number one, and, 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 and caused a lot of pain and suffering. But we've turned the calendar. A lot of people have said, and I want to get your take on this, that the pandemic was really an accelerant to a whole bunch of digital transformation and other kind of business initiatives in moving from kind of the physical space to the electronic space. And this thing really just juiced or, you know, kind of accelerated these things. Some people have said many years kind of worth over the last several months because, you know, we're sheltering at home, we're working from home. So this kind of drive to a digital experience, whether that's personally at work or shopping and what I do, family, education, it's everywhere. So with this accelerant, it's good news for a lot of companies, it's bad news for a lot of companies in, in transportation and hospitality and some of those industries, but it's really been a great accelerant in the contact center space. I wonder if you can take a step back. We'll start with you again, Andrea. You've seen some big mega trends, but nothing like what we saw over 2020 in terms of this accelerant, the digital transformation. Yeah, I think for me and for the contact center space in general, you had two things going on. One, how you're dealing with your workforce completely changed. And so the tools that people needed when they're working from home to handle those customer contacts and sales and every interaction for a consumer went from some of them being offline to everything now is online, right? Everything became digitized to your point. And so you were caring for your people and having them work from home and what that was like. But also then, how are you really interacting and caring for your customers? And we saw companies who were able to adapt and they did it brilliantly. We saw some struggle, right, where it it just their ability to adapt and innovate when there. And a lot of that depended on the tools they had to do both things. One, send their folks home to work and have that be a good, safe data safe, efficient experience. And then two, just because the world changed doesn't mean you don't need to put your customer first and handle that experience appropriately. And so I think from both fields, it was a huge change for companies in 2020. So we definitely saw that last year. And like I said, saw some adapt and some didn't make it. So, John, over to you. This event is called Conversational Automations. Automation has played such an important role over the years in terms of, you know, kind of removing drudgery and helping scale processes. Now there's, you know, the the development around artificial intelligence and machine learning, you said, are going to be as big of an impact as the Internet was to industry. 
with this accelerant that we're coming off of with what happened with COVID and the move to, you know, more and more of a digital space, what kind of opportunity and challenge does that really open up for automation? And then AI specifically is kind of a subset of that. If you watch what occurs during any economic downturn, every company has to adjust quickly to it, to interface their customers, their employees. They have to be realistic on how many of the issues were internally inflicted, how much was externally inflicted. And then they look at preservation of their uh, revenue streams. And when you think about artificial intelligence and you think about conversational AI and you think about the contact centers, it is the best way to upsell an existing customer, to dramatically increase their satisfaction, to lower your churn and to lay the groundwork for your growth as you move forward. I I think what Andrea hit on, I, I could not agree more with, which is every company's become a digital company and the terrible events of the pandemic force companies to innovate at a speed I've not seen before, and that doesn't go back. The whole key, however, to this is what was the first major area that you can use artificial intelligence, which I do think since the time of the internet will be the only other major technology that will exceed the uh, expectations uh, for it. And the logical first step is that customer interface during a period where the customer is truly gold and everybody is trying to protect that streams. So how do you do it in a way that dramatically improves your customer satisfaction, the associated revenues with that, but also is the first move a company makes toward big time digitization with AI. We were in the right spot at the right time. Yeah. I have to go back to you, Andrea, you know, kind of following up on that because, you know, everyone talks about 360 view of the customer and there's been, you know, kind of a whole move up to knowing who the customer is better to provide a better customer experience. So when that person, you know, does call in in the context that it takes them, they know who they are. Are they an important customer, not important customer. At the same time, though, we've got this whole kind of big data meme where now there's so much data, right? And there's so many data silos. And then, you know, how is the you know, the agent's supposed to actually aggregate all that data and have the systems presented in such a way that's helpful and useful in a timely fashion so they can actually provide a better customer experience and not just ask for the same information over and over and over. Clearly, automation is the key, but the signal to noise ratio is getting more and more difficult as noise just continues. How do you help customer? How, how are you seeing people address making those people that are actually engaged with the customer better? and more efficiently, you know, given that information so they, they can provide a better customer experience. Well, to, to go with what John said, and I completely agree with this, the pace isn't going to go back and it's not going to slow back down. And so the pace of innovation has really increased what customers expect from the companies that they do business with. And the only way to get at that is through technology, automating the things elegantly that help an agent be able to personalize, which is what you're talking about, the experience, which some companies do real well by using AI, using the algorithm and using that type of automation. The other thing that you can help is actually automating the interaction with the customer. The technology now, some of what I've seen at Unifor, for example, is terrifically elegant at doing some of that for both the agent and their interface and the consumer. The trick is for some of these enterprises is that's not where they've been investing over time. They've been investing in their network or their online, their store experience or their branding. Companies like Unifor that are out there have been investing in that automation. And so making use of that innovation smartly 
I think is where you have to go if you want to solve for that. Yeah, that's great. I want to shift back to you, John, and talk about AI a little bit deeper. You know, you keep saying it's going to be as big as the internet. You know, where do you think that's going to manifest itself first? And, you know, there's a lot of conversations between kind of general purpose AI and specific applications of AI. And what, what Unifor has done is really have specific applications of AI to take care of specific things. Do you see that as, as just kind of this concurrent a wave and wave and wave of, of automation applied to just increasing levels of processes to to take away, you know, kind of that drudgery and the stuff that's getting in the way uh, of good efficiency and ultimately the customer experience? I think AI will follow a pattern almost identical to the internet. The internet was a lot of excitement, but people often misapplied the use of its capability in early attempts to make it useful for business. I think the first use of the internet that was really, really useful was entering orders online and uh, interfacing to your customers that way and doing your customers' support. With artificial intelligence, most of their early projects have failed. And it's because they picked the wrong project when a company wasn't willing to change its fundamental business model at the same time. Because of the terrible effects of the pandemic, most of the call center agents had to work from home or remote locations. They no longer had their peers to learn from or their supervisor to help them get through this. So it was a natural use of conversational AI to dramatically change the customer experience. And so I think it will be the one application area with every customer that I talk to in the enterprise or government or service provider environment who gets how fundamental this is to their digitization journey. Then what's going to be interesting to see what's the second major move that people make on AI. I personally, being a salesperson at heart, I think it's going to be in the sales area. That how do you really use artificial intelligence to bring the same type of conversational and video capability that you see here with the Zoom call today to your customers? And so I think this is set up for a company to lead first in, in one segment of AI, then in a second, and then can lead across the whole enterprise. My dream for what uh, Umesh and uh, what Unifor have the opportunity to do is not just be the leader in AI in the customer experience category, but across the whole enterprise environment. And uh, I think it's set up for one leader there. This is when the next generation of the next Cisco, the next Intel, the next Microsoft, the next Google, the next Amazon occurs. And I do think it will be around artificial intelligence. So if the company does its job right, no pressure. (laughs) I think they have a chance to completely lead in this category, but perhaps across the whole enterprise. Uh, If those dreams and aspirations are are achievable, I think they are. And then let's see if it can happen. John, I want to follow up with you on, on, on conversation specifically as an interface between people and machines. I mean, you've been around for a while, you know, no one on this call probably remembers that there was actually a time to interface with computers with punch cards and you know other things besides mouse and GUIs and, and all these other things, right? Conversational interface is such a major significant change, and we've barely scratched the surface on you know fun consumer applications like Siri or or OK Google to to you know play a song or or open a recipe. But if you really think through the opportunity now to remove these stupid QWERTY keyboards and these the current interfaces that we have between people and machines and replace it with conversation, whether that be directly with the customer or whether that be 
analyzing inputs to provide, you know, better information for the call center agent or whether that's actually, you know, just a more efficient way for people on the enterprise to inter- interact with their systems. This is a big, big, big change. And I wonder if you can share your perspective on, you know, when we move away, when we're no longer querying away on a keyboard that's specifically designed to slow us down, but now we start to talk to these machines. Remember that that my expertise with the internet, and we unfortunately put a huge amount of pressure on the service providers when we said that everything goes to the internet, both data, voice, and video. Voice will be such a small load on the internet that voice would be free, and that would completely destroy the business models of the major telcos around the world. And so it became free, and I kind of thought voice would therefore be a backseat participant in the future of the technology area. And I was wrong. I believe that the primary interface to the Internet of Things, as you go from literally a thousand devices connected to the Internet when I joined Cisco to 15 or 18 billion today to 500 billion in a few years, will be voice. And that conversational AI in terms of how you interact to it in many ways that you articulated, I think will be a key element. So it goes back to that premise. You've got to get the right focal area outcome for customers enabled by the right technology with business models that are going to change at the same time. That's great. Andrea, back to you. You know, you've been in the contact center space for a very, very long time. And I'd just love to get your perspective on how that has changed and again, accelerated with the pandemic in 2020 last year, in terms of the importance of contact center as an increasingly primary uh, or lead interface between companies and their end customers. And, you know, it's not just for service calls anymore. I can't just run down to the store and talk to my local person. There's only one phone number, whether I'm calling from from West Virginia or Cincinnati or Palo Alto, right? It's going to call tech centers. So the role of those contact centers and those people, right, at the front line that are interacting with your customer, representing your company, all the millions of dollars you spent on advertising and branding and image and everything else, at the end of the day, the rubber hits the road when they pick up that call. Love to get your perspective on how that has changed in terms of the relative importance for the companies versus being, you know, kind of this, you know, outsourced, someone's going to take, take a call for us. We, we saw it made, make a huge difference. And in all the companies I talked to about customer experience, to John's point about being a salesperson, I would agree the biggest change is this is now how they generate their revenue. It is also a major way they compete. People are now in brands aren't competing as much on price, product. Yes, some are really innovative, but a lot of it is that customer experience and how they compete. And again, you see companies really disrupt industries. I'll use Netflix as a great example. They've completely disrupted the industry. They've used technology in a smart way. They've automated a smart way and they've used algorithms and AI to personalize that experience. That's where the contact center industry is going. And so the need to provide those people who were trained and had the tool set to do basic care or support a technical need or a billing question now suddenly become your best sales channel. And they suddenly need a lot more elegant capabilities and AI pushed to them that AI conversational AI can help them a lot and can help the consumer by pushing that to them to allow them to become what they're really going to be in the future, our biggest revenue channel. And you see companies like a Netflix really get that right. I mean, they're getting I love that company because they've adapted, they've innovated. 
if you just think of the disruption they've caused in that industry alone, and they've done it using these digital tools and the technology in smart ways to personalize those customer experiences. And, you know, as we're going through the pandemic, that's a company that probably everyone has relied on to keep them entertained as we've all been quarantined at home. So right. it's a huge difference when a company gets it right. And then you'll see other companies that haven't yet embraced the tools that allow their people or their customers to experience their brand in that way. And they're having a whole different result than someone who's getting it right. And again, that's where I think some of these folks that are really innovative companies like what we mentioned the team are doing, get really innovative and get in there and get solutions that help accelerate these large organizations through that digitization of their omnichannel support. But the biggest change to the contact center, it just became everyone's biggest revenue generation channel. Now for a short break, let's learn more about Unifor. Unifor is the global leader in conversational service automation. The company's vision is to disrupt an outdated customer service model by bridging the gap between human and machine using voice, AI, and automation so that every voice on every call is truly heard. For more information about Unifor, go to www.unifor.com, email podcast at unifor.com, or tweet at Unifor. Now back to the podcast. Well, I'm just curious from from kind of a technical challenge. You you were in it for a long time. You know, you know what what were kind of those pains that you just could never get. You know, if I could only get rid of this one pain or this one challenge, you know, things would be so much easier. That now the technology is starting to unfold, and as as you look down the road, five years, ten years, with with kind of the trajectory of of technology and what we can kind of see coming, where do you think it's going to evolve to? Oh, you know what? I have to tell you, most of the basic care functions, I truly believe, can be fully automated with elegant technology. I think most customers prefer it. They prefer to just be able to get their answer in an automated way. And the technology is getting good enough to be able to do that, which really leaves your human beings who interface the ability to handle the very complex things and, frankly, the things that make you money as a company. And right. so I think that is where you will see the industry evolve. There is no question we had already started on that journey to take the work that, frankly, the people don't want to do that is repetitive and is not our best use of them and get that automated and, and get it made more efficient and, frankly, get it in a way that the customer wants to receive it in that way. They prefer that anyway. And then turn your your people into handling the real complexity, which is work that they'll enjoy more. It'll be more fulfilling. And then let them be your brand ambassadors and your sales generations and generate that revenue out of that channel. Because again, there is no real offline anymore. Everything is now digital and it's going to be digital. And so we need to arm the people to be able to make that transition. And I think the tools are critical to being able to do that. And so I think you're going to see most of the traditional care support work that used to fill our contact centers be automated. I I think it will be automated. I think five years from now, that'll be right where we are. Right. right. Automated. And what they'll be doing is help generate revenue for those brands. And we've seen a little bit of that with bots and RPA and other types of technologies that are starting to try to take some of that drudgery stuff out of the way, the early stuff. Jeff, the ability for you to cross sell or upsell, You've got an existing customer on the phone or in a contact channel 
are on your PC at that point in time, and they've already got a relationship with you. That is your fastest, most profitable channel to grow from. No right. question about it. And so we had already seen that transformation starting in the contact centers years ago. Now the tools are just making that more elegant. Your close rates are better. Your ability to personalize is better. So I think you're just going to see this industry completely dramatically changed quickly. Love it. I'm sure they're thrilled too to have much more higher value work and be, you know, participants and selling stuff and not just taking care of problems all day. John, I want to shift gears to you. I know a big reason why you're doing JC Ventures and why you're getting involved in startups is you think startups are the great generator of jobs and you're a big fan of of doing things that help job creation and you know big companies aren't necessarily creating jobs like like smaller startups do. When you look at AI, a lot of people I think misperceive AI as purely a threat to jobs. Uh, that's going to take jobs away and only look at jobs. But I think like what Andre just said, it's a real opportunity to make people super people, right? To add superpowers for them in terms of their ability to gather information, to have the right information and to be able to do things and not get stuck, uh, as we said, in the, in the drudgery and looking up account numbers and those types of things. Clearly, that's a big piece of the AI uh, opportunity is to help people actually do better jobs, not to replace people. So the answer to your question is yes, and maybe let me give it a little bit of background to the question that you asked for the audience. If you watch what occurs in transitions, and let's use the internet as an example that I'm very familiar with, and then you're going to see in this replay uh, here with AI, uh, the internet, when it first came in, the first basic use of it was issues that were were not particularly sizzle on it. Entering orders online, you know, and Cisco was doing 85% of its orders online when Intel was still getting faxes in terms of their orders into the system. The second thing you did is basic interface to customers over the internet. And to be able to shortcut that uh, availability 24 by 7 in terms of the overall approach. And then third, you began to deal with the technical support questions, where again, over 80% of it got automated. To the themes that Andrea hit very hard, you took the basic functions first and you put it on the internet. You're going to see an instant replay in terms of what occurs here with AI as it grows forward in terms of the basics first and then expanding it. So let's go back to the internet as the example. In the decade when the internet took off, many people thought it was going to destroy a huge amount of jobs, and it did exactly the reverse. Using the U.S. numbers as the base case, the GDP during the 90s grew in that decade over 34%. The average income of an American household increased by 24%. And when you really looked at job creation, 22 million new jobs were created. So the key is you've got to go where the market's going and realize that basic repetitive tasks will be automated at a much faster pace than we saw before. But if you don't get startups absorbing and creating these new jobs built off of AI, the large companies will get perhaps a 5 to 10% increase in productivity per year, which is a nice way of saying they aren't going to create in total any new jobs. So all job creation must come from the startups and small companies getting bigger, in my opinion. And you've got to do that across the whole of all 50 states in the U.S. as an example, not just in Silicon Valley and Texas and New York. Yeah. 
And and the the other thing, John, that you talk about a lot, uh, and you talked about it a little bit briefly, but I just want to follow up on it, is how during these trying times, it's a time for rebirth of a lot of new companies, that there will be a lot of things that come from these trying times, which, which, are, which are going to be tomorrow's leadership companies and technologies. And you've seen it time and time again. And as as you sit and and we we get through the nastiness and thank goodness, you know, vaccines are starting to roll and and there is a light at the end of the tunnel. What are some of these great kind of transformational things bubbling up from the surface that you're excited about uh, beyond the artificial intelligence? Well, the part that excites me the most is the business change and the change to what we do in our our work that will be the most fun. Cisco invented literally the video conferencing capability following the bird pandemic breakout in Mexico, which we thought was going to be much worse. And I was down there with the president of Mexico when it hit. And we did telepresence so that you could have these virtual meetings in 2007 and announced it with the governor, Arnold Schwarzenegger at that time and President Bush at Cisco's headquarters. I think what's been exciting is how Zoom has done an amazing job of making this available for everyone, regardless of your age, regardless of your location. Timing was perfect on the networks, et cetera. So it grasped our ability to do so many of the things more virtually than before. But the point that you're hitting on, I want to reiterate, what will get you in trouble is not doing the right thing again and again for too long. That will really cause you to get disrupted. So this is a period whether you either disrupt others or you're going to get disrupted, and it will be enabled by a combination of these technologies, the Internet of Things, uh, the number of devices, the cloud moving to the edge in terms of its capabilities, real-time new supply chains and implementation. It will change every aspect of our lives. And on entertainment, you haven't seen anything yet. The young people, I think, are going to even push us harder with how you use these technologies in those areas. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, I mean, what year did you guys first introduce your first video phone? I was at Mitsubishi a long time ago. We had a, I think we had a video phone in nineteen, I don't even know, ninety eight. But but you had to buy two, and you could they could only work with each other. <laughs> it didn't right. work very well. It worked great. It was a huge growth for Cisco for a decade, but it was large conference rooms to large conference rooms. Mm-hmm. What has evolved in your volume is always when you move down market, make it easy to use a single device. Any any video chat to anybody else anywhere in the world. Yeah, uh, Andre, I want to go back to you and talk specifically about kind of work from home and work from from anywhere. I mean, there's been you know moves kind of in this direction for a long time, not not significant until you know basically March 15th yeah. when everyone was told to go home. And and there's kind of to me there's kind of two interesting layers of challenge there. One is managing it from your own employees' point of view and your own people but then even more important is is trying to put in the technology when you're the provider that's supporting everybody else working from home i always think of like the zoom people you know giving everybody zoom when you're working at zoom and you're zooming from home it's like this uh kind of crazy crazy thing it's a difficult challenge i know within the contact center space there's a whole nother level of complexity that comes with work from home and again it's not like anyone had time to plan and everybody got sent home but, you know, I, I would imagine like every other accelerant that there was already kind of uh, a lot of sniffing and testing and, and, and feeling out of how that would work. Now that it's happened, what kind of opportunities and how does that change the landscape uh, for that business? 
Sure. Let's talk about that a minute. We had been, as an industry, very focused on work at home because of access to talent and access to labor. So that had already been a focus. Most of the BPO space and contact center providers out there had technology that allowed work from home. But to your point, it wasn't mainstreamed. To, to use that word. It wasn't everyone. The company that I was with previously, we had 130,000 people. And, you know, to send that volume of people home, we all, you know, last year did that rapidly. And I think it really put a strain on some businesses to do that in terms of bandwidth, in terms of access to tools, in terms of the elegance of that employee experience for a minute you know, to give a great customer experience, you need to have employees that can elegantly work from wherever. And I think, you know, a lot of companies were exposed in their ability to do that. And so you see them putting more energy into those tools and a lot less energy into brick and mortar and into locations and facilities. Everyone's thinking about work differently. And I think, you know, as we roll into this year, I'm at least seeing a lot of companies not think about going back to their old ways of doing work, but really put investment and innovation into adapting to this new work at home as their new normal. And I think that's smart because I think that is our reality. I think there's an expectation on the new generation and the new workforce of how their work's going to be the tools they're going to interact with, and that impacts how they feel about where they work and their ability to provide the kind of customer interaction that you want them to do so it can be differentiated for your brand. And so what I'm seeing out there is a total focus on maintaining now that work at home environment as kind of the primary environment in many instances. And um, we were lucky we had the technology there, but a lot more work being done in the industry right now to improve that employee experience with working at home. Yeah. And it's really a great place for automation, a great place for AI, for conversational AI, for automation. It's how they expect to interact with the company they work for. And you want to provide the experience to your employee needs to be good if you're going to get a good experience, frankly, to your customer. Right. That you're just inexplicably connected. They're, They're right there. And so you need those tools. It's going to be interesting to see how it evolves when it's no longer just March 15th and you have two days to plan, you know, now that it's been going on for a while and, you know, and it hasn't even been the new normal, right? So we need to redefine the new normal because the kids are still at home and the spouse Mm -hmm. is still at home. And, you know, you didn't necessarily have the infrastructure in place to, to do this, but we're getting towards the end of our time. And I really enjoyed the conversation. I want to just throw out some, some quick questions and just get some quick reactions from you before we cut it off. First one is just what companies, over the last 10 months have really impressed you with their reaction to these challenges? I think Netflix did a phenomenal job of, you know, becoming mainstream for us with programming, custom programming, algorithms that customize your experience. You know, they really personalized what they do. I thought they did a good job. Yeah. John, what about you? It would be one of my uh, competitors, Zoom. Back, uh, I left Cisco five years ago, but Zoom's done an amazing job. Andrea, this might cost us a raise for Amesh and Ravi and Annie. Uh, <laughs> but actually, how Unifor has managed through this, they accelerated their growth rate from 100% year over year to 300% year over year. They moved from India to the U.S. They had the courage to change. They were the first of all my companies to see the slowdown coming in January, where Ravi, who's located in Singapore, suddenly saw 
borders not close as rapidly because of the issue of the virus in that part of the world. And we immediately implemented the changes at Unifor, and this is Amesh's driving it, to prepare for a downturn, which did happen remarkably quickly. And by April, they were already back on growth mode and looking about how they break away in total. So it's rare you see a new startup really not only accelerate through it, but go through those changes with a speed of innovation that is very unique. So uh, no pressure, Amesh, but uh, really nice job. And no, we're not going to give you a raise at this point in time. <laughs> oh, John. <laughs> All right. Next, next question, a little more personal. What activity did you either take up or kind of accelerate personally, not work during the last 10 months? Let's start with you, uh, John, this time. It was running even more because when you're home that much, you can eat a little bit more. If I don't run, the effects with extra weight were not good. And swimming. So uh, I run and swim almost every day, one or the other. How about you, Andrea? Mine was horseback riding. Horseback riding? Horseback riding, yep. Took it up after I retired, so I'm loving it. You took it up after you retired? I did. I'd never been on a horse until two years ago. Are you, are you jumping them or are you just... Keeping keeping on the flat. No, 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 no jumping. Just trail riding. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> What's your horse's name? I have two, Max and Dylan. Oh, very good. All right, good. So before we wrap, I just wanted to have you guys think about 2021. Again, we've turned the calendar, thank goodness, on 2020. As we look forward for the rest of this calendar year, what are you thinking about? What advice are you giving to your portfolio companies? Uh, and the other uh, other folks that you're working with. Andrea, why don't we start with you? Adapt and innovate. It is super important, as we found out last year, to be able to adapt and do it quickly, and you need innovation to do that. So adapt and innovate. Love that. How are you, John? Uh, I think 2021 is going to be a very good year from an economic point of view. I'm assuming that we're going to navigate through the vaccines on a global basis I think the economy in the U.S. will grow 4 to 6% this next year, second half of the year, probably in the 5 to 6% uh, level. I think the speed of innovation will not slow at all. We did a vaccine that normally takes five years minimum in less than a year. I think you're going to see the speed of business transformation enabled by AI actually accelerate throughout the year. And I, I think even in, in areas that have been challenging to us, you're going to see stability this next year. Well, that would be good news. So we'll look forward to your projection on on uh, on good growth, getting the vaccines out and, and slowly working our way out of this. Well, thank you both for spending some time with us today. Really insightful. You have so much experience to share, and I'm sure the audience loves getting your, your insights. So thank you very much. Stay safe, stay healthy, and look forward to uh, to our next conversation. You have been listening to the Conversations That Matter podcast by Unifor. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast player and rate and review to enable us to create relevant and valuable content for your business. If you'd like to learn more about conversational service automation, visit Unifor.com. Have a great day.